Augmented reveals the stories behind a new era of industrial operations where technology will restore the agility of frontline workers. In episode 5 of the podcast, the topic is plug and play industrial tech. Our guest is Etienne Lacroix, CEO and founder of Venture. In this conversation, we talk about the consumerization of industry, high mix manufacturers, shorter product life cycles, and end to end approaches. Etienne shares best practices for industrial workflows with 10x speeds to design, automate, order, and deploy, and comments on the appification of manufacturing software platforms, the Legoification libraries of modular parts and factory equipment, and how it ties into empowering agile manufacturing. We discuss the remaining complexities and briefly touch upon the future. Augmented is a podcast for leaders, hosted by futurist Trond Arnenheim, presented by Tulip.co, the manufacturing app platform, and associated with MFG.works, the manufacturing upskilling community launched at the World Economic Forum. Each episode dives deep into a contemporary topic of concern across the industry and airs at 9 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time every Wednesday. Augmented, the Industry 4.0 podcast. Etienne, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing very well, Tron. Thanks for, for thanks for having me today. Yeah, it's an exciting time to to talk about augmentation for sure. Etienne, you are a, an interesting uh, figure. I, I wanted to first cover the fact that you seem to have started a unusual technology company way back when, dealing with uh, bikes and mountain bike uh, <laughs> technology. What what was that all about? So definitely you went deep into my Lincoln profile, but no, that was a long time ago. Um, I used to be a big fan of mountain biking. And back in the uh, early 2000s, I had a, a company called Unusual Technologies, and we were indeed designing downhill bikes. And that's probably in the uh, yeah, early 2000s. Yeah. Wow. Have you had time to, to keep that up as you're working on industrial automation? Unfortunately, no. No, I uh, my big passion for mountain bike pretty much ended uh, as I was halfway through my undergrad and uh, became a, a workaholic and decided to go uh, work at General Electric. And my passion shifted. Um, still have that prototype, couple of prototypes in my basement, uh, but uh, unfortunately, they're uh, you know um, history of my previous passion now. So, why then did you go into industrialization technology? What what prompted this? Um. For me, there's a long life passion for product design. I, th I think mountain biking was one example of that. But after uh, a couple of years designing mountain bike, uh, I switched to designing um, industrial goods. Uh, you know, being based in Montreal, there's a lot of aerospace taking place in the city and had a chance to work on a lot of aircraft program from the 80, uh, 8380 and uh, 787 and in that journey, uh, joined General Electric at some point, worked on uh, LED technologies back in 2005, 2006 in the heydays of uh, LED lighting. And um, more recently, just before Vention, I was actually at McKinsey uh, as part of the product development practice and was able to, um, to work with probably, you know, hundreds of companies uh, that have engineering intensive business on, on a lot of product design and engineering topics that go from power sport, power tool, power equipment, aircraft, automotive, robotics, uh, 3D printing, and, and so on. So, you know, that, that I guess the only, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, story here is the one of deep passion for product design until until today. Invention, to be honest, is, is no surprises when you understand that because um, it, it's almost as I took that passion and threw dynamite in it. And now I'm able to see hundreds of people every day that design also um, industrial good using, using the platform. 
Tell me more about that because the consumerization, I guess, is one term of, of, of industry overall. It's a bit of a mega trend right now and you are playing in the middle of it. How did it start? What made it possible? And uh, yeah, just give me a sense of what, what it looks like right now. Yeah, this is a this is a great question and it's a great topic as well, right? And we're in the field of industrial automation and everybody has seen those pictures from a car assembly line or a consumer electronic assembly line where there's robots everywhere, right? This problem of industrial automation has been solved, but this is not the reality of manufacturing. There's still a lot of manufacturing plan where, um, you know, assembly operation or manufacturing operations are done manually. And there's a reason why they're still manual today is it's just impossible for them to profitably automate because it's too costly. All the technology today for um, industrial automation has been designed for high throughput factory. And when you're trying to bring that into kind of a high mix, low volume factory, it's just too costly. And for that to work, you need to change the delivery model. You need to create products that are so simple. So the workers that used to uh, you know, operate the floor can actually now build the floor and deploy that technology on the floor. And you know, there's there's a trend there, and you know, uh, there's a couple of companies pushing that trend where we empower the workers by you know being able to take the job they used to do manually and actually now automate it by themselves, you know, using technologies that is suited for them. Yes, technology suited for them, and there's a but there's a a bunch of of you said prerequisites to to make this happen still. Yeah. Why why did it take so long? First of all, for industry, and you know, by industry, I guess we need to be more specific because this hasn't happened all across industry, mm. um, and it's happening in you know to varying degree. But you told me uh, earlier that there was kind of this moment that at least for you that really changed things and and the moment for you was around 2014 what was that moment yeah so in in 2014 what happened is there's a little library called webgl that enabled us to do engineering grade 3d in the browser and as soon as this was true and that's around 2014 2015 you could imagine the workflow of creating industrial automation system taking place in the same digital stream. And you know, for me that navigated product design hundreds, you know, probably several hundreds of times, you know, from the beginning to end, that workflow required me to learn as an engineer like so many software, right? Some electrical software, some PLC programming software, robotic software, design software. It's almost in every software take, you know, months to learn. And as soon as you bring all of that in the same digital environment, in the same simple ways, uh, simple base web interface, you can make it very, very accessible and very quick. Right? So today, you know, what used to take me months and months of finding components, designing custom parts, ordering them, assembling them, and so on, can now literally be done in just just a few days. You know, by you know going online, opening up your web browser selecting parts for your industrial machine, you know, designing with those Lego parts, uh, you know, seeing the price in real time, the assembly time in real time. And then you can just order and you get it next day ready for them to deploy on your factory floor. So it, it all became possible around 2014. And, you know, we, we got going on it around 20, 2016. So just a few few months later. You know this Lego principle is fascinating to me. I'm, uh, you know, I'm an. Uh, I think they they call it an AFOL, an adult fan of Leg- Lego, yeah. <laughs> which means that you obviously, you know, I've cared about Lego from from early on. But but tell me more about how this. Uh, I mean, usually in manufacturing, that there's talks about like a four step workflow, but there's n- many steps, I guess. But what what is 
And how long does it actually take right now? If if I am somewhere here, let's say I'm in Massachusetts and I want to order a, a very custom uh, industrial part that I need on my factory floor, give me a sense of, uh, you know, what sorts of challenges am I will I currently be facing? Because you know, you said you have solved many of those challenges. I'm just trying to get a sense of what actually would happen if I started ordering something uh, today. If you work in the what I call the traditional way of doing industrial automation, a project to automate your factory trod will take you, if you're lucky, two months. If you're, you know, more towards the average, probably you know four months. Today, with this ability to digitalize everything, we can make this happen as fast as three days. It's mind blowing, right? The number of sh- shrink in the cycle time, and it's uh, mostly caused by the fact that now you, you know, you brought the concept of Lego, and, I, and as you can imagine, I was also a big Lego fan myself when I was a kid, and probably still today. But uh, uh, but as you can imagine, this this Legofication of all the components, whether it's a robot arm, a gripper, a vision system. More and more, every manufacturer try to make their components compatible with one another. So we prevent from having to design custom parts. Mm-hmm. And as soon as this is true, now you can see an environment where designing um, in uh, in 3D in your browser is like almost a shopping experience, mm-hmm. right? You just take those Lego parts and you click them one after the other and you build your Lego set live and that enables you to see the price live and that's enable you to see the assembly time live if you decide to then purchase that equipment. Mm-hmm. And since now, the if since you're working with Lego, you can automate the active design as well, right? You can mm-hmm. do rule balance engines. Are those two parts really compatible? Are they really going to give you the performance? You can automate a lot of those design consideration. Um, and it speed up the design time, literally from weeks of weeks of work in a traditional CAD software, from just a few hours in a in a you know in a platform like Vention. Um, so yeah, so today again, if you compare contrast, uh, industrial automation project will probably take you, you know, three to five days for a, a robot cell that will probably cost around you know fifty to seventy thousand dollars. You know, Etienne, already in, in augmented in the in the podcast with a few interviews that that we've got going, there are so many sort of scratch your head moments for me because if I think back on thirty years of internet and web technology and and many things that have happened, to think that such a basic part of an industry that shapes the globe, right? Manufacturing is what we are, and it it, it sets the limit for what we can do as as you know, in, in every industry, to think that it took until 2014 that, that we had prioritized building social media apps and crazy other things that even gets us into trouble before building the basics that make society uh, you know, float. How do you explain that it took until 2014? And I'm sure you know, there are many other dependencies, but if you were to just reflect a little bit on industrial tech, why is it that, you know, arguably it has taken very, very long? Were just the not the right people involved or did they just not see what the obstacles were? Or, or are there, you know, the kinds of things that you discovered with Vention, just, you just had to discover that CloudCAD was a thing. Did, did no one need. see that that was a need 10 years before that or five years before? There's always multiple trend that needs to kind of collide at the same time for those shifts to happen, right? There's a, we've talked about the technology enablement trend, but that alone would probably not have been enough. I think the, I think one of the more 
fundamental change for me was the fact that product lifecycle and I, you know, I, I know we touched about this before, but product lifecycle is really getting significantly shorter than what it used to be. If you're designing a product for, you know, a 20 year shelf life, like an aircraft, the urgency to deploy your industrial, uh, you know, factory is very low. Because first of all, if you're the one deploying it today, you're not going to see the end of that product. You don't even know if the product is going to be 20 years or 25 years. But if you're deploying a factory for a product that's only going to have 18 months of shelf life, every month you save now is one more of revenue. Mm-hmm. And typically the last month of revenue of that project or that product is significantly more than the cost of the industrial system. So it changed the economic around how we think about um, uh, manufacturing floor. Right? In a short product lifecycle environment, you don't compete against the cost of the capex you need to build your floor. You compete against this last month of sales you can have before the product turns obsolete. And it changed the, the economy of manufacturing floor. Uh, you needed that trend as well to be there for, 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 you know, for that collide to happen. And I mean, that's not your field, I guess. But you know, why why did this shorter product life cycle uh, start to happen? What you know, what in your experience, and you know, you you're sort of close on the customers that are seeing this and are arguing this, you know, as a reason why they're investing into into your workflow. What what do you think caused the speed up, essentially, of uh, of the consumer? Uh, ization, you know, on uh, on the negative end, I guess as well of of, of factories, the fact that uh, things turn over so fast that that the entire business model had to change. Yeah, I don't really like the answer I'm going to give you, but the, the the one that always come back to that question is, um, you know, customer taste are changing so quickly. Yeah. Everything, even in industrial tech, is almost getting to a fashionable states. And as soon as you're in that, um, you know, very rapid uh, product cycle, you know, it forced the manufacturing floor to be very agile, to be able to change quite quickly as well. Hmm. Um, so, you know, that that that's what has fed, I guess, on the demand side, uh, some of the trend that that led to business model like Vention and others to kind of try to solve that problem heads on. Etienne, what about the challenges? What are some of the remaining complexities? You know, as we we're sort of moving into thinking about what you know what might happen next. You know, right now, you, you know, you've pointed out the the workflow. Uh, you know, being able to order a part really fast. What are some of the remaining challenges from from the point of view of you know your business, but also as you're looking at industrial tech and and the manufacturing and you know industrial operations space. What are some of the remaining complexities, frustrations, where one still is? You know, I guess far behind. You know, other industries where where uh, both the speed has been quicker, but uh, you know the complexity perhaps has been different. You know, it's just you're not producing physical parts, so there is less complexity. What what are some of the challenges that you're still facing? think the uh, you know companies that are trying to bring that democratization and that consumerization of industrial tech um, uh, like Vention are facing a humongous amount of use cases to to make simple right and I think the um, I think for the simpler use cases they're well on the way to be cracked or have been cracked already but it's probably just a little little drop of water in the whole ocean that has to be democratized, right? So typically the higher in complexity you go, the less democratization is available today or possible. So I think, you know, companies like Vention and others are, are considering what's the roadmap to that, to that final state where, uh, you know, not only you can deploy 
a simple robot cell in almost an illegal fashion by yourself, but you can also start to think about how am I going to produce cars, right? In a, you know, without having to build a factory for three years, right? So you know, you know, this is probably the extreme, but there's a journey between those two points. What we see so far, or the approach that seems to be um, taken by most companies, is to you know applicationalize, right? Those those use cases, create application kits that are for a predefined use case. They will probably come with some hardware, some software as well, and they're attended and geared towards a specific use case. And because of the prepackaging, it makes it easy. It makes it easy again for the the operator that used to conduct that task manually to be the one that kind of deploy that technology by himself because he know the process already, right? To deploy that technology by himself and then uh, leverage the benefit of automation for himself. But there still is an upskilling challenge though, right? Because as far as I've looked at these apps, uh, none of them are at the stage where you can literally just go in there and completely understand it as if it was, you know, and I'm using social media, but you know, it's, it's not like you can just sign up, get your account, get it done, <laughs> right? It's, it's not that simple. And I'm sure your website isn't even that simple. You have to still understand what part you're actually ordering, yes. how to configure it. I mean, if I, it's not just, you know, if I order it, you know, one meter too long, obviously that's my, my bad, but there are so many other configurations and settings and, and, and indeed, right, industrial knowledge that it requires to, to do this. So I'm just trying to wonder, is this a leadership challenge or is it an upskilling the worker challenge? Or is it like you sort of started saying, you have to map the workflow and the use cases to a level of detail uh, that catches all of the variants and then boils it down. And that just, we just don't have a library of what we actually are doing in manufacturing. Like there's no best practice library of, of, of all the possible use cases and, and we haven't distilled them down. Wh which of these things would you say are, are stumbling blocks and, and who is working uh, you know, on simplifying that from, from your point of view? To solve this, uh, is it the upskilling or leadership challenge? I think there's a multiple part, right? I think manufacturers or you know, tech company like like Dimension um, have to provide the right building block. But you also need to foster a community or you know a, a, a groups of users that can share best practices and help each other around those building block. Um, for us, we 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 maintain this through uh, an, a, internal employees that are just there to make sure we we spread the knowledge right and help others. But also the community has to play a role, uh, uh, talking to one another, exchanging use case with one another, to um, to go deeper into uh, what's possible to democratize. Um, you know, one analogy I always like, Tron, and I'm going to go back in history here because I think it's, this analogy is so relevant, but everybody remember WordPress back in 2007. WordPress was this very buggy HTML editors. And if you were a serious software developer, you really thought it was a piece of rubbish, right? It, it didn't work well. There was a lot of bugs and so on. But if you were a marketer, that was suddenly the best invention after the wheel, right? Because finally you were freed up from a software developer to bring your own marketing site online, right? So we saw that democratization in so many industries. Industrial tech is no different, right? We're, we were lagging a little bit behind, but I think now the technology building blocks are available and I think there's also the right market pressure to make it happen. Um, and, uh, and I'm very hopeful. Hmm. Biggest surprises. You've, you've done this for a while now. What, what are some of the surprises that you've encountered along the way? I'm amazed how fast industrial tech is going now versus, you know, I've been in, in, in industry and in, in industrial since the early 2000s, so almost like 20 years now. And um, 
the, the speed at which things are changing now, the amount of startups that are pushing the frontiers, the amount just of robotics company now that are trying to crack. This is, um, we've never seen such an influx of great talent to manufacturing. You know, manufacturing has not been cool for several decades until it finally turns cool just just a few years ago, and like I would say less than five years ago. So, Is it cool now? It's cool now? I think I, so, I, yeah. I, yeah, okay, yeah. I, I think so. I think robotics yeah. brought the coolness uh, yeah. to, uh, to manufacturing. Um, and we see a lot of amazing talent now getting back into manufacturing. Um, so to me, that's probably what amazed me the most. It's just a great time to be an industrial uh, right now. Let's talk about the future. It's a tricky topic, but uh, you know it has to be done, and I think it's exciting. The dearth and the death of the dull and the dirty and the dangerous, right? So the, all of these Ds that are that are dying. To what extent is that a reality, and to what extent is it a problem? You know, I, I, I think the uh, anything that is repetitive will be cracked as a use case. Because there's a, there's too much value to leave on the table. There's not enough value created, right? And there's a lot of value therefore that can be captured. Um, so this is a, this is true. I think is, but there's anybody that walked on a manufacturing floor knows that even if you're manufacturing the same product, every plant will have a different recipe. There's a lot to productize um, to to get to the level we're describing. Um, and in terms of future, I think application is there to stay. It's a word that we didn't use two years ago, and now it's on everybody's website, right? So application is there to stay. But I think there's a couple of other building blocks in terms of future. We'll see. Application is definitely probably the, the core one. Um, Code-free software. Uh, you know, I've heard anything from the citizen developer you might relate with, but code-free is used quite a bit as well. Um, all the robots now are using code-free interface, right? All the cobots. Are, so this is here to stay. And it goes into this upskilling, upskilling and democratization, um, uh, you know, will, will stay. Now, if you step back and you think about a manufacturing floor, there's really just three pieces of technology that change everything. The robot arm, vision, and conveying. If you have those three building blocks figured out, you can do a lot of process. Robot arms are well on the way, right? There's a lot of startup. There's conveying has not been touched so much. And vision is also just at the beginning, right? But we'll, we'll crack, you know, once we have those three pieces fully figured out, you can um, productize or drive application for a lot of use cases. The last thing I'll say is just self-serve, you know, the, the reluctance right now that industrial automation have on integrator is 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 humongous because it's so complex. But the more we're going to democratize, the more self-serve people will be able to deploy their own tech. And we see that for a cobot already, right? Cobot have reached a state where they're simple enough to be deployed by the end user. But we'll see that with the rest, with vision, with controllers, with PLCs, is going to come as well. But if you know the those four things we really describe what's coming next: application. Code-free software, this um, you know, tracking, vision, conveying, and robot arms, and lastly, just self-serve. So let me give you two types of workers uh, or future workers. One, one is if I'm an existing factory worker, I'm you know, let's say I have passed my uh, fifty, but I still have you know many years in the workplace. What should I worry about? And you know, when you sort of alluded to the fact that the workplace, the simpler jobs are going to gradually, uh, or, or sometimes not so gradually, they just simply uh, go away in an instant, but, but more realistically, they will gradually go away. 
the cognitive skill set required is, I guess, arguably increasing. What are what should I do as a worker? Should I be worried about this? Does this mean that essentially what historically was the case, that manufacturing has been a place for people that didn't really want to go to school for that long and wanted to learn on the job and wanted to kind of have a job that they could uh, could handle and maybe not worry so much about in terms of the cognitive challenges, although maybe I'm paraphrasing the wrong thing here because clearly on the manufacturing floor, the people who really knew what they were doing they have always been in demand, and in fact, right, we're losing that expertise. So, you know, I'm not gonna—I don't want to paraphrase too much, but let's just to this worried worker. What, what do you have to say? I think if you're intellectually curious, you have nothing to worry about because the the technology that is brought up to you is designed to be accessible to you, right? The, unfortunately, this this change will happen. Factories will get more automated. Robot will start to tackle repetitive tasks more than they did in the past. This change will happen. But to deploy those technology, we know people that uh, understand how things are done today. And if you're intellectually curious and you're uh, you know, willing to start learning those, those technologies that are more accessible than ever, everybody now can learn how to program a robot in a single day. Um, if you're intellectually curious, I think that you're going to have great opportunities uh, in front of you. All right, I'm going to give you a second use case. My my kids are becoming teenagers, uh, and they're 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 learning different things. What should they prepare for, and and how different is the factory and the workplace in terms of industrial operations going to look for them? Let's say ten years from now. If you're um, you know a young uh, uh, you know a teenager or young kids that is considering to go into manufacturing. My first push would be you need to learn how to code uh, and you need to learn data. Um, you know, this is despite manif- the fact that you talked about no code. <laughs> so that's interesting. Yeah, no, but the uh, you know it, it always depends what's the um, you know everybody's working to make technology very easy, but to make technology very easy, there's a lot of complexity that takes place behind the scene. So if you want to be the one that creates that technology, unfortunately, you have to um, you know there's a lot of of um, layers to learn, right? Uh, right. So, I mean, even to get back to the WordPress example, I mean, even if WordPress is today, I think, running like 30% of the world's websites or whatever it is, it yeah. might be more right now, it doesn't. It hasn't taken away the need for software developers, right? Correct. It hasn't. And yeah. the folks that have developed WordPress are probably extremely sophisticated as well, right? Bringing simplicity is hard. Right. How do you yourself stay up to date? This is arguably a very complicated industry and mm-hmm. you are advising others creating a streamlined solution that I, I guess also you have to stay up to date on what's happening and there's obviously competitors and everything. How do you stay up to date on industrial tech and, and what's next and, and how to improve the, the UIs and the, and the life cycle, you know, the improvements that you're putting on the table? I'll um, I'll use it. You need to be intellectually curious, right? And uh, as the same answer I gave before, there's so much stuff happening right now. But where do you that, find it? Where do you uh, find it? I mean, associations, blogs. Like, where do you go? Is there any formal place you go? I mean, do you do you go back to Harvard right, yeah. to to kind of uh, drink from the fire hose? What what do you do? Um, you know, I, you know, of all the new tech, the new trend, and uh, I think probably two thirds of them are actually pushed by companies that didn't exist four years ago. Right, um, and uh, just keeping up with 
all the um, robotic startup and industrial tech startup, uh, uh, um, industrial IoT startup that are you know being launched every single week um, is a, is a, you know there's several sites that we consult, but there's just there's a lot there. And then you also need to keep up with all the incumbent right that have built the industry to the level it is today. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to uh, to read, um, uh, but you know you, you need to be intellectually curious. Uh, for me personally, you know, I finish my days, uh, you know, at that fairly late, uh, and I'm going to use the last 40, 40 minutes. I'm going to scan through Lincoln, scan through Crunchbase, you know, and that's my kind of moment for myself at the end of the day, just to keep up with the industry. But it's a, it's a great moment to be in. You don't, you don't do that unless, you know, you, you have a lot of passion for what you're doing. Well, you certainly do. I, I thank you so much, uh, Etienne, for this, uh, this chat. I hope you can stay in touch and, uh, you know, hopefully we can track your progress and, and you can give m- much more advice to, to the augmented community. Thanks so much. Thanks, Ron. Cheers. You have just listened to episode five of the Augmented Podcast with host Trun Arne Unheim. The topic was plug and play industrial tech. Our guest was Etienne Lacroix, CEO and founder of Vention. In this conversation, we talked about the consumerization of industry, high-mix manufacturers, shorter product life cycles, and end-to-end approaches. Etienne shared best practices for industrial workflows with 10x speeds to design, automate, order, deploy, and comments on the appification of manufacturing software platforms, the Legoification library of modular parts and factory equipment, and how it tied into empowering agile manufacturing. We discuss the remaining complexities and briefly touch upon the future. My takeaway is that industrial tech is indeed becoming plug and play. We may be at the cusp of a low-code and approaching a no-code environment, but that doesn't mean zero cognitive skills required. Quite the contrary, at least if you want to shape the future development or lead the manufacturing process. Vention's CloudCAD makes use of engineering-grade 3D in the web browser and is a big step forward. Many more exciting applications are to come as we map out the use cases, get feedback from previously not sought out parts of the shop floor, and integrate those findings. Is a zero bottleneck future in the line of vision? Not now, but we are getting closer. Thanks for listening. If you liked the show, subscribe at augmentedpodcast.co or in your preferred podcast player and rate us with five stars. If you liked this episode, you might also like episode one, From Automation to Augmentation, episode four, A Renaissance of Manufacturing, or next week's episode five, Plug and Play Industrial Tech. Augmented, the Industry 4.0 podcast.